Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 62. We're covering the 2019 Honda Classic and the Oman Open. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning, Steve. Makes a bit of a change to do this on a Tuesday morning rather than a rushing around on a Monday night, I must say. Feels a bit, uh, feels a bit different, but uh, let's give it a go, eh? Oh, it doesn't make a great deal of difference. We actually had some... The reason we're recording this on Tuesday morning is we actually had some odds that we could actually build a betting preview around. <laughs> yeah. So well yeah. well done to the bookmakers for actually getting some odds out there on Monday, which they've been struggling to do of late. Um, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. I'm sure none of the odds compilers listen to this, Paul. Naturally, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Link is available in the description box. Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf, Paul is at Golf Betting. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. That has been doing some serious numbers mm, recently, yeah, really the, golf betting, uh, the Golf Betting Show. Um, I think we did last week was the fifth highest we'd ever done in terms of views, which for like uh, the WGC in February is unheard of. Yeah, so really good. Lots of good. Give it a give. Give it a watch. Yeah, and lots of nice subscriber uh, numbers coming through on that as well. So, oh, uh, absolutely. Give it a like. Yeah, give yeah, it a subscribe. Over, over two hundred and fifty so far mm. this year. So it's all good. Uh, this podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and a myriad of different pod channels. Of course, it's also available on the Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Subscribe and follow the podcast. Now, please take time to... I say this every week. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. And people might think, well, you say that every week, Steve, and you always read good ones. Fact of the matter is, they tend to all be good. And we've, we've got two more here. And for listeners, leaving us a review and rating us, just it helps so much to get visibility within iTunes. So these these reviews that you're leaving and the five-star reviews do work in ter- with iTunes in terms of giving them confidence to actually list us far higher in their categories. So uh, thank you for everyone that leaves these reviews. It's really much appreciated. I've got two here. Uh, first one from Neil Burden 75 via... Uh, he's in Great Britain. So thank you, Neil. Pot of the week, five stars. I've been listening for two years now, and this is the best content on golf betting, DFS, bar none. Thanks for all your efforts. Not many ways to make this better. Some suggestions for the off-season or quiet tournament weeks would be uh, pod topics, like staking plans, data discovery, building a system process, interviews with golf pro punters. Great work, Stephen Paul, and thanks again. That's from Neil Burden. Very nice, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, interesting about data. We we could we could talk all day about yeah, data. Yeah, well, and and also some of the weeks clearly are a bit more sparse than others, aren't they? So um, you know, in those those quiet weeks or weeks where we've only got one tournament, perhaps we uh, perhaps we will bring a yeah, yeah, yeah. different topic in or uh, bring someone in to have a have a chat with us as well. So some, have a natter. Yeah, some good ideas. Absolutely. There, Thank you. Number two. This is from Paul Strother. And he's in the United States of America. I can be more precise, actually. He's in te- Texas because he's... Hello from Texas is the title. Five stars, big golf podcast fan. 
And adding this to the rotation, I enjoy listening to a new podcast and how they approach the betting market. I look forward to your European tour coverage. So thank you. That's from Paul Strother over in the Lone Star State. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. Right. Um, let's crack on. Now, I know that you've got a couple of announcements to make. Mm. So I'll, I'll hand over to you in terms of uh, two uh, new developments that the listeners can get involved with. Yeah, of course. Um, the first one, we've mentioned this on the um, Masters pod that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago now, a week and a half or so ago, which is our um, annual majors competition, which Bet365 have kindly offered to sponsor again this year. Um, so there are £250 in prizes, um, cash prizes up for grabs, to the first, second and third. So the first, pl- first placed um, player will win £150, second placed £75, third £25, so total £250. Um, and all you have to do is tell us who you think will win each of the four majors. So it's done as a one and done, so you can only pick each player one time, um, and you need to basically give us the name of four different players for each of the uh, one for each of the majors. Um, send it to us either via, via email um, on our Facebook group, where there's a dedicated thread for the uh, for the competition, or via Twitter. Um, and we'll collate all of the entries, um, publish them just before or just after the Masters starts, and we'll sit back and see who gets the closest. Now, you don't have to get all four of them right. I mean, if you can pick all four of the major winners, then, well, you know, absolutely incredible performance. Start a podcast. Absolutely, yeah. And typically, the winner of this um, probably gets two of the four winners and maybe, you know, a top ten out of the, out of the third or the fourth one. Um, the way the scoring works is based on the dollar earnings of each of the four players that you put down. So um, if your um, first player wins the Masters and wins the best part of $2 million, then that's your score. Um, if he misses the cut on the second one, then clearly he scores uh, nothing or very little. Sometimes they get a little bit of a residual um, earnings for, for missing the cut of the majors. So we tot up all of the uh, dollar earnings from the four players that you pick um, and then publish a league table after each of the four majors so you can see where you are. And of course, the winner at the end gets this £150, second, 75, third, 25. All great fun. We usually get around about 500 entries per year. So lots of competition and um, yeah, free to enter. So um, we'll stick a link to the full um, details and terms and conditions in the Podbean description. So if you would listen to this on Podbean, you'll be able to pick that link up and then uh, you've got all of the entry details via via that page there on the site. But uh, yeah, good fun. You and I haven't done particularly well in this because there have been some great um, entries over the years. I think one year someone did pick three out of the four winners, which is... a uh, remarkable feat to be able to pick that before the master starts yeah. and um, and to get, to get three of the four up is um, is really good going so uh, thank you to bet365 for sponsoring that as well yeah yeah absolutely yeah and we're not we're not talking free bets here we're talking cash yeah, prize yeah, so it's all, it's all good it's all cash prizes and of course if you're overseas we'll just uh, we'll get it into the currency equivalent um, when we we pay out the prizes after the after the open championship this year with the way that the uh, the scheduling all works in 2019. 
Now, I know that we've been getting quite a lot of content or a lot of feedback around DraftKings mm. and the fact that we, we focus on the podcast on betting rather than DK. Yeah. And one of the things that we've always wanted to do, I know that you're a very keen DraftKings player. Yeah, yeah. I, pl- I play on the odd occasion. Um, but just the way that the podcast works in terms of recording time and the way that the, after time the market or the prices aren't actually out when we go to, uh, to actually record... It doesn't work very well, but we're looking into that. Yep. But I know that you've made a serious development on the DraftKings time because we via um, via some uh, the Twitter activity that you do, and also via our Facebook group. So we've got four and a half thousand golf punters on our Facebook group. There's a link in the description box. You can come and join as well. You do DraftKings competitions with golf betting system, don't you? So yeah. Do you want to talk talk the listeners through that as well? Yeah. Um- in terms of DraftKings previews, um, Steve and I were talking uh, last week, and I think what we'll try and do for the Masters is we'll put together a dedicated DraftKings podcast, which will probably follow the uh, general betting one. So that will probably be out um, maybe Tuesday afternoon on the day of, uh, on the week of the Masters, uh, where we'll yeah. focus entirely on the salaries and the uh, the different uh, different price. Bandings and, um, and and see if we can dig out some decent teams, particularly with the uh, Millionaire Maker, which will be running that week, which is always um, good fun and always something that captures the imagination. So uh, we'll, we'll push, push that out on the week of the Masters. Um, but yeah, as you say, we've been running some small-scale um, leagues. So we've got a, a GBS league that's been set up for a little while. We've got about 350 members of that now. Um, and each of those are invited to play against other GBS listeners or uh, Facebook group members or Twitter followers um, each and every week. And we set up uh, contests that are either $3 or $10 to enter. Um, and uh, if you do particularly well, then you'll take away um, part of the prize or, or the top prize if you were to top that little mini league each week. Um, so I think for the Masters last year, our biggest... Uh, contest was 75 players and I think you know if we can get uh, a few more members into this league over the next few weeks I'm sure we can put out um, some pretty chunky contests for for everyone to enter you know kind of 100 plus entries Mm -hmm. and some some decent prizes as well and of course you're sharing that um, the prizes are all between all of us so they're not public contests you've got much more of a chance of winning because they're smaller Um, and also you might recognize some of the names on there Steve plays I play so um, you can come along and uh, and try and beat us um, each and every week um, for a bit of fun. And uh, as I say, if you, you win the prize, you win 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 the uh, win the cash to go with it as well. Um, so what we'll do in the again in the Podbean description here, there'll be some links through to our um, GBS uh, the the league page where you can enter this week's uh, contests. And there's uh, there's already four set up for this week. Again, there's two a three dollar and a ten dollar entry for the um, Oman Open and there's a three dollar and a ten dollar entry for the um, for the Honda Classic as well. So there's ready made events for you to get stuck into. So if you're already a, a DraftKings member, then you can just join the group straight straight away. If not, then um, follow the link through and uh, you'll be able to uh, register for um, entries then into our uh, into our league and each each and every week. All good fun, I find. What's the new customer offer? Is there one? Um, yeah, they, if you deposit, I think it's uh, $5 or £5 or €5, Euros, depends on your currency. So the minimum deposit is £5 or whatever, five, five, five whatever. Um, and then you get a free $3 entry into a $3 uh, contest. So our basic 
contest each week is three dollars so you, you could sign up and uh, uh, make your minimum deposit and you'd get entry into our contest for that particular week or you could go into one of the big public contests for three dollars and uh, have a have a play with that instead um yeah how you, how you play that three dollars is totally up to you but uh, yeah it's um you know i've been playing for a couple of years now and um it's, it's a staple part of my weekly um staking plan effectively so a proportion of what i bet each week goes on to uh on to DraftKings and um i've had a bit of success in the past and uh, a lot of fun along the way Absolutely. So, we've got the majors competition for 2019. Mm. And if you're a DraftKings player or you want to start playing DraftKings golf, we've also got some uh, golf betting system leagues there for you. And there's a uh, link through in the description box to the new customer offer. Right. I'll tell you where I was going to go quickly before we mm. start talking Honda Classic and Oman Open. Yep. Now, our uh, Masters anti-post podcast that we put out there a week before last that's already our most popular podcast of the year so far mm. so and we're getting clearly that's just adding up day after day yeah, people yeah. listening to it and we we talk about um the golf course statistics to look for kind of players where the course works for them um trends and if there was any uh, potential value in the anti-post market. Now, for love nor money, I don't know why, but, well, I kind of know why. I backed Sergio Garcia on the exchange this morning. 75 to 1 I got him for, mm. 74 to 1. So I'm on Garcia as of this morning. I thought he played quite well last week. You you think he's got anger issues. But... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can he, see where you're coming from. I mean, his, his form reminds me of two years ago, because he won in Dubai. He was third yeah. in Dubai this year. Uh, got a top 10 in the WGC last week. He's hitting tons of greens, and the putter started to warm last week, yeah. which I found very interesting. And in anti-postmarket, we were just saying Jordan Spieth has been eleven to one up until this point. Some of the bookmakers have actually lengthened Jordan Spieth for the Masters. Can you believe it? I'm seeing eighteen to one with Betfred for Jordan Spieth to win the Masters. Yeah. So they're they're actually lengthening some prices. They're they're nowhere near where they should be, but they're lengthening some prices, which is interesting. Yeah, it's a li- little bit but of reaction finally to uh, to how a little Jordan's bit been playing. Reaction, yeah. There's also a reaction for Rory McIlroy. He's nine to one in places mm. now with Dustin Johnson joint favourite. Yeah. Now, the key statistic we shout or we've discovered here, and I'm going to just keep a tracker on this. Not every week, but moving forward. Uh, it, and it's shared by um, the winners of the Masters going back five six years. Is par four birdie or better yeah. on the PGA Tour? So here's the top ten. And if you actually go to the PJ Tour website, it's slightly misleading because one player isn't mentioned on it because he hasn't done enough uh, tournaments. But I'll take you through the top 10 as it stands. Uh, 10 is McElroy. He jumped up from 50, 56 after Mexico. Yep. Nine is Ryan Palmer. Doubt if he's playing. Nine is, nine, eight, Jason Kokrag. Doubt if he's playing. Seven, he's eked up. Jason Day. So he hasn't been playing, but because... Uh, they've been playing some tough courses of late. He's actually going up in the chart. So Jason Day is seven. Rafa Cabreo Bello is six. JT is five. Rose is four. Ricky Fowler and Sergio Garcia are tied third. Uh, we've got Tyrrell Hatton at two and Phil Mickelson at one. 
Remind me what the stat was with this. They, Finney, you've got to be the last, the last five or six winners have all been in the top, I think it's like the top seven or eight of par four birdie or better leaders as they arrive at Magnolia Lane that's, driving down the lane. Pretty, so I'm just keeping my eye on that statistic. Yeah, it's a pretty consistent stat, wasn't it, when, when you dug it out? Very consistent. Mm. So... Those are the guys to be keeping an eye on, and that there's going to be ebbs and flows in that. Yeah, of but, course. You know, I'm seeing some very big players not in that top ten. Mm. The likes of Bryson DeChambeau, the likes of Brooks Kepka, uh, Gary uh, Gary Woodland, Mark Leishman's not in there. So it's just worth keeping an eye on. Well, it's not after la- after last week's effort. Mark Leishman's not in there. I doubt he's going to be. No, no, no. And Deshambo was all the he was all over the place. The scientist as well. He, he mm. clearly hadn't got a handle for um, for the altitude for the golf course, or just wasn't up for it. Just out of interest, Tiger Woods is fresh into that statistic. He's sitting in forty seventh spot. So uh, and Xander Schauffele's forty eighth. So if these guys trend-wise, want a chance to win the Masters. They need to improve their par-4 performance. Mm. And it kind of works, doesn't it? On a golf course as tough as Augusta, you need to be playing the par-4s particularly well. Yeah, you've got to play the par-4s as you well. arrive. Yeah, you've got to play the par-4s well, and you've got to take advantage of those backable, uh, those reachable par-5s on the, on the back nine, haven't you? Yeah, you've got the, it. The big key to Augusta. Another thing I wanted to highlight after last week in Mexico on those pu- pretty much pure Poana greens. Um, these since two thousand and eight, these are some of the big guys in terms of the tournaments they won on Poana greens, right? McElroy uh, three PGA Tour victories since oh eight. Tiger Woods four. Phil Mickelson five. Bubba Watson six. Dustin Johnson. 10 now mm. after last week. Yeah. He's so comfortable. He, he, he's he? just prolific on Poana or Poana bent grass greens. Absolutely prolific. Yeah. It's absolutely critical for that. And we kind of touched on it in the pod last week. And um, we talked about the need to be able to handle the greens and uh, and to be able to perform well on and around the greens. And, and Dustin's touch all week was absolutely outstanding. And I, what did he make three bogeys during the course of the week? His scrambling was outstanding, and mm. he's, when he gets those chances on the Poana, on the putting surfaces on the Poana, he he converts a hell of a lot of them. And you know, I, I was watching Xander. Clearly, I'd invested interest in Xander, and um, the amount of putts that he missed um, inside five feet, inside three feet, even was just soul destroying. Yet, you know, someone like uh, Dustin who clearly has the measure of that putting service just just strolled round and just yep. made virtually everything so um big big pointer for next year again you know you've got to be comfortable and confident on those putting surfaces and if that means that the players that you're backing are particularly short and obvious then perhaps that's the way to play it perhaps trying to dig out a bit of value isn't the way to do it on something that's going to be so kind of smack you in the face this is the kind of player going to win it was he was he nine to one or ten to one? Uh, was I think that it was. Price yeah, I think it was tens. But yes, you know, world class field, and um, you know, it's his form's been um, indifferent, but shown some some real sparks. Clearly, out in the Middle East when he won in uh, won in Saudi, he played really well there, and you know, uh, he's going to go back to the world number one, isn't he? After this week, um, regardless of what happens, because. Um, 
the way that the vagaries of the system work. So um, he's two at the moment, but uh, will return back to uh, to world number one after mm. after Sunday. Interesting. Yeah. Well deserved, I think. He's an absolute beast on the Poana. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, and it all, all marries up, doesn't it? You know, he's clearly got a fantastic record at Pebble Beach as well. And as you said, just from those, reading out those numbers, 10 wins on Poana Greens. Yeah. It's a big number. I'd have thought he's licking his chops for Beth Page Black, the US Open this mm. year. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be right up his street. Yeah, yeah. And demands a bit of length as well, Beth Page, doesn't it? So. Oh, God, that, yeah. That I think he's finished second or third there in the past, yeah. surprisingly enough. That combined with the uh, the, the, the the greens, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot, yeah. to, lot to like already, isn't there? Now, let's crack on. Enough waffling, I suppose. A Honda Classic. So, um, we actually returned to, fl- we were entering the Florida swing. And with this new rescheduled PGA Tour, we now got four straight tournaments in Florida. So Honda Classic, we've then got the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which we'll see again, the return of Tiger Woods. You've got the feeling Tiger might be a little bit popular next week. Mm. And I would assume Rory McIlroy will be going off about six to one. (laughs) So that's going to be worth uh, looking at next week with Woods. Uh, And there'll be a good field, as there always is there. Uh, Then after that, we have the... Move from May to March, which is uh, the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. And then after that, we have the Valspar Championship, which they play at that very tight, quite long golf course at Copperhead. And as we've seen in the past, it's actually that event that can very often throw up the eventual winner of the Masters. You've only got to look 12 months ago to Patrick Reed, I think, who's runner-up yeah. at Copperhead and goes on and wins the Masters. So, you know, just in terms of Augusta, there's so many subplots right now. If you can get a handle of what's going on in these warm-up tournaments, it's it's uh, very, very beneficial when we come to April. Yeah, I think going back to the Arnold Palmer last year, I think that's where, I, um, where Patrick Reed caught my eye in terms of his putting as well. Yeah, was, top ten, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, his putting was really good there. So, so yeah, you're right. Keeping a close eye on how people are trending through these events is key. Absolutely. Now, the Honda Classic starts us off, and it's played on the Champions Course at PGA National. Uh, it's an original Tom Fazio design, but then Nicholas came in and redesigned it in 1990 and 2013. So it's a Jack Nicholas golf course. If you go to the golf betting system website and you go onto the PGA Tour predictor model, we have a variable on there. And it's all free of charge to use. We have a variable on there uh, where you can see the best performers in the field on Jack Nicholas designs over the last five years so that's an interesting or um, just an eye-opening statistic to look at I'll actually take you and this is one thing we don't probably do enough of and I think mainly is because sometimes on a Monday we actually haven't done the predictor model in terms of our own uh, predictions we always pull together a predictor model for the European Tour and the PGA Tour every week that we pull together ourselves 
And uh, I've pulled together a, a predictor model for this week's event. I'll just take you through the top 10 quickly. We have a scenario of Jim Furyk at 10. I actually think Jim Furyk ain't a bad shout here. He's triple digits. Mm. Luke List at 9. He was a uh, runner-up last year in the playoff to uh, Justin Thomas. 8 is Brooks Kepka. 7, Webb Simpson. 6, Adam Scott. 5, Billy Horschel. 4, Ricky Fowler, who won it two years ago. 3, Gary Woodland. 2, Sergio Garcia. 1, Justin Thomas. So that's the top 10 of this week's predictor model. You can come and use it at Golf Betting System completely free of charge. And, you know, that... You know, statistically, that ties up very, very closely to the betting market. Justin Thomas is a five to one shot. He's nine to two in a place. The eleven to two that was first chalked up for him yesterday—that's all been snapped up. Fowler, the biggest price you'll get on Fowler is twelves. Brooks Kepka is drifting at fourteens. Sergio and Adam Scott are sixteen to one shots. Gary Woodland is twenties. Simpson and Cameron Smith are twenty fives. We then have Daniel Berger, Emiliano Grillo, and Billy Horschel at 40 to 1. And it's 40 to bar those. So that's the top of the betting market this week. Now, PGA National. Uh, it's a brute. It's a par 70, only two par fives per round. It's usually very windswept here, and pretty much every hole fe features water. Plenty of water. So plenty of water for way, wayward drives. Plenty of water for short approach shots on par fours. Both the par fives feature water pretty much down the whole length of the hole. It's a, it's a double bogey festival, really. It's just a tough track, and isn't it? It's a tough, isn't it? Especially when you throw in the wind. Mm. Um, it's got big, thick rough. Uh, and it's famous for the bear trap, that stretch, 15 through 17. They've actually shortened the 17th par three by 15 yards. They've been a bit generous this year. <laughs> so uh, they've taken 15 yards of it. That played over half a shot above par last year, the 17th yeah, par three. Tough par so if you three. were getting a par there, you were basically making a birdie against the field. Yeah, yeah, it's tough old hell. I think it's going to be slightly different this year. I think it's going to be more 2016-ish. Now, this is all. This is I sitting in an office in the southeast of the United Kingdom. But by by the looks of weather forecasts, it's the 70 to 75 percent chance that it's going to rain tonight, Tuesday night, and there's an 80 percent chance that it's going to rain Wednesday night. So I think that they might arrive on Thursday morning to quite a soft golf course. Mm. Last year was firm as fast as you like. So complete role reversal in course conditions, I think. Um, and, but more tellingly, this was blasting 25, 30 miles an hour for four days last year. From what we're seeing, it's going to be a lot more tranquil this year. Nothing stronger than 10 miles an hour for the first 54 holes. So I think we're going to see an orderly tournament. None of these, rain, uh, none of these breaks in play. I also think we're going to see scoring slightly lower than we saw last year, where eight under won this in terms of Justin Thomas. And then Sunday's a little bit trickier, did you say? Yeah, a little bit trickier, maybe 15 to 20, nothing crazy. Mm. But that's very much what happened in 2017, where the first two rounds were played on a very, um, sh a very calm golf course, but a soft golf course. 
Now, don't sit there and think this is going to be a 20 under birdie fest because this golf course is far too hard for that. But I'm just looking at my numbers. I'm looking at my spreadsheet. Just to put it in context, uh, after 36 holes back in 2017, soft and no wind, Wes Bryan and Ryan Palmer were leading at nine under par. Mm. Fowler was at eight under. So I don't. I think you're going to be around that kind of mark again. So I, I don't. I think if you're 12, 13 under, come the end of play Sunday, you're going to be very, very close to winning this. Yeah. Some other names up there: Lahiri. Uh, we had C.T. Pan, Morgan Hoffman, Tyrrell Hatton, Martin Keimer, Scott Stallings. They were the top ten after 36 calm and soft holes two years ago. Just throw that in there. I don't know if it means a great deal compared to where they're yeah, playing at the moment. Yeah, and then Fowler went through and, uh, and won, didn't he, over the weekend? Yeah, he, he shot a great round on the sun on the Saturday, and I think he was three or four clear. Um, I could just look at my preview and tell you that because we actually track on there where he was. He was two back, one back at halfway, and then four ahead going into Sunday. Mm. Uh, then it got quite windy on the Sunday. And I think that was the one where Charlie Hoffman came through. And, or Hoffman was in the mix. There was a couple. And Gary Woodland finished second. Last year, Thomas was one back, two back, and then one back going into Sunday. It, there's a mix here. But you do, I think, to, to, to win here, I think you need to be kind of pretty much on the pace throughout. So you could do with a fast start. You're just not catching, and, and, you're not catching holes up, are you? You're not... You're not going on a birdie barrage to uh, to, to grind, is it? Yeah, you're not going to side your way through the field with a, a you know. A you're not going to shoot a sixty-two. No, no, no it's not that. So kind to of make trick. up seven or eight shot deficit after round one is yeah. nigh on impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, terms of statistics, I was looking for. I want players that are hitting the ball very close from two hundred yards or out. Mm-hmm. I think that's where this tournament can be won and lost. Um, I also like players who are very good out of um, out of the sand because this golf course, I think it's one of the well, it's certainly in the top five toughest for sand saves, and there's a lot of sand around here, deep bunkers. Uh, and the other thing I always look for here is players that from the fairway can hit the ball nice and close on their approaches, because um, if you're looking at it statistically. Um, it's not a bird. It's not a putting contest. I mean, strokes gained putting for the last three winners averaged out is 18th. Yeah. Strokes gained off the tee ninth. Stroke gains approach sixth. Strokes gained tee to green fifth. So again, tee to green, some very strong approach play. Thank you very much. And if you're putting around about 1.7, you're not going to be a million miles away. Mm. It's not a putting contest. It's not a 1.58 putts per gir yep. putting contest. Um, that's clear. And if you just look at the old-style statistics, it's greens in regulation, uh, which is one of the strongest at 15th. It averages out over the last nine winners. And scrambling is actually the most important here, 11th. Far more important than putting average. Mm. So if you're missing greens and you're going to, um, ups and up in an up, ups and down are very important. A little similar to last week at uh, Chipotlepec. It all makes sense, doesn't it? You know, you've got to keep those those bo- bogeys off your card. Um, you know, as you said, you're not going to make a load of birdies to catch up. So you, a steady, 
bogey minimizing game um, would suggest it's, it's very major like isn't it in terms of the way it's set up in terms of the difficulty levels in terms of your mental approach I think listen to these winners though Camillo Vijegas in 2010 mm. Rory McIlroy in 2012 Michael Thompson 13 Russell Henley 14 Harrington 15 Scott Fowler Thomas last three now, you look at all of those. I didn't include Rory Sabatini. He doesn't fit. But we were actually on him that week at 70-1 to mm. in that dim and distant past in 2011. Um, they'd all played well at US Opens prior to winning this. Yeah. And that is exactly where I'm at with this. I want someone that has shown the capacity to grind in a US Open. Now, if you take that to Russell Henley... He'd actually finished 16th in a US Open as an amateur, yeah. which is a you know phenomenal performance. Um, we've got a situation with McElroy. He'd won the US Open the year before. And Michael Thompson, he'd finished second at the US Open behind Webb Simpson the year before. So there's a few trends in there. Justin Thomas last year. Um, he was ninth in the US Open the year before as well. So it doesn't have to be the year before. But if you're seeing players that have, have been in the top 10 of US Open leaderboards, I don't think you're a million miles yeah. away this week. It's that mentality thing, isn't it? Been... Of course it is. Of course it is. Now, I'm seeing here... Um, is it? Would, I think it's interesting if we actually talk in terms of some players that... Um, were clear to or close to being selected. Mm -hmm. So, at triple digits for me, there was a player that I came close to selecting. And I know that you've had your eye on this guy for a while. It's Sung Kang. Mm -hmm. He's striking the ball very nicely, isn't he, Sung? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and he's available right now, 125 to 1, eight places each way with Paddy Power. Yeah. And if you look at Kang, the only time he's ever got kind of even into semi-contention in a major was the US Open. He finished, I think, in the top 20 a couple of years ago. So Kang, he, he's, a, he's a typical South Korean, miscut second. You know, he's completely unpredictable. But Kang, I think, at 125 to 1, was going to be my next tip. Yeah. He's... Um, that's... That's the one that came close to me. Another one, Chris Stroud, who's been playing quite nicely at the moment. He's 150 to 1 with Unibet right now. You got any players at a big price you like the look of? Yeah, You're not going to say Brian Gay, are you? <laughs> um, it's funny you mentioned Jim Furyk because he's the only player that I've backed so far. Yeah. Um, he's close, I think. Yeah, I, I backed him at 100 to 1 with eight places, which I thought with eight places each way is well worth, um, well worth taking on. And... Yeah. You know, if you think through Jim, you know, I know he's getting on a little bit now. He's what's 48, you know, he's he's within touching distance of the seniors should he want to go down that route. Um but I still think he's got enough game to compete and contend on the right kind of tracks that demand the right kind of player and I think this yep. is that kind of track for him. Um you talk about US Opens clearly he won um in 2003 at Olympia Fields, didn't he? 
and he's got I think he's got three more second place finishes and another, yeah, another two or three top fives as well, wasn't he? He was runner up in his home state of Pennsylvania in 2016 yeah, at Oakmont. Yeah. So this is the point, isn't it? And without these Ryder Cup responsibilities, he can now focus on his golf. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the distractions are gone. You know, that, that season that you're going to get with the uh, the Ryder Cup um, as as the captain, it's, it's always going to be full of distractions. And that, that's, that's disappeared now. But you look at his underlying form, fourth at the Wyndham, sixth at the Mayakoba at the back end of last year, uh, 14th at Pebble, um, even 37th at Genesis on uh, a Riviera on his last start, which I think is too long. It's not really a Jim Furyk track for him. But he was, he was inside the top 10 after the first day and yeah, he didn't, didn't disgrace himself at all. You know, finished, uh, finished middle of the pack on that track and still striking the ball very, very well. His accuracy has been fantastic. I know he tops your uh, rolling tracker for driving accuracy. Um, been well, he's third for greens in reg as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, team. so yeah, this is it. It's perfect, isn't it? Really. Yeah, uh, and he's got some, a decent record in this event. I know he's played at some different tracks before it moved to uh, PGA National in the the middle of was it twenty two thousand and seven? I think it was. It moved here, didn't it? Um, but um, he's he's got some middling form here over the years. But I suspect without any distractions, and uh, you know, Jim can kind of be free rolling in these events now. He's got nothing to prove, has he? He's just uh, no. just go out and play his golf and. I thought 100 to 1 was uh, worth taking on. The other one that I haven't backed yet, but I've been toying with just for uh, just out of principle is Patrick Harrington at 250s, again with eight places. Um, and we know with Harrington, um, this, you know, he's, he's come, he's won this event twice, he's won on PJ National once, and he arrived that year without any form. He hasn't played actually since the back end of last year, so there's nothing tangible to grab onto. Clearly, he's got the uh, Ryder Cup responsibilities himself now, but that's kind of a long way away from where he is now and given the way that he thinks about the game and uh, you know he'll know the history of a lot of uh, Ryder Cup captains and the fact that their game goes you know seriously south during that period of their their kind of their tenancy I guess and um, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries, tries to circumvent that I know you know I've both listened to some interviews with him over the last um, last few months where he was talking about the work that he's still doing on his game his desire that he's still got yeah. for his game oh yeah um, I think there's worse. And he but, always says that he thinks it would be easier for him to win a major than it would a PGA Tour event because yeah. majors suit his game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, it all you know, this this tournament is the uh, the best probably on the whole PGA Tour schedule for him to actually be competitive. Yeah, on. For, for a regular PGA Tour event. So, uh, mm. so yeah, two fifties. Um, I may well just put a couple of quid on that just to uh, just to satisfy my curiosity. I think. But uh, I like Furyk. Yeah, I, I like I like both of them. The thing with Furyk is he's playing some very neat and tidy golf. Mm. And, you know, that US Open link is just ridiculously strong. Yeah. So, yeah, if you can get a decent each-way price on him with extended places, I mean, he's 100-1 to one with Paddy Power right now for eight places. Yeah. Seems like a bit of a no-brainer to me. I think, you get a, I think you get a run for your money with that. I think you will. Yeah. Yeah. GMAC will probably be popular for the same reason. And GMAC is actually top of my GIR tracker, but mm. I don't know, there's just something very, very wrong with the putting from what, what I see with him. Yeah. And you'd have thought he'd have been better in the Puerto Rico Open last week. He never really got into any no, kind of he's, he's, mix there. No, his name was, you know, kind of second, third page at times, wasn't he? But nothing, mm. nothing really outstanding. I'll tell you where I'm at with my selections. I'm very much along this um, US Open link. 
ideally as well, when you look here at Daniel Berger in 14, uh, he finished runner-up to Harrington. Uh, you look at Scott, fifth, uh, sorry, 15 that was, Scott 16, uh, Fowler 17 and Thomas 18. They all hit a tonne of greens in their previous outing. Mm. That's consistent. So when I say a tonne, I'm talking uh, they were top 10 of greens in regulation the week before. Yeah. Two that jumped out to me at middling prices on that basis is Russell Knox, who was fifth for GIR last week in Mexico. So I took the 66 to 1 with him. I took that seven places each way with Betfred. Bearing in mind this was, what, 6 o'clock last night? We're now talking 10 to, uh, 10 to 10 UK time in the morning over here in, on Tuesday morning. So that 66 has long gone with Knox. Mm. Uh, I'm seeing at best of 60s with Bet365 or his 50s across the board, really. But Knox, second and third here. Um, a w, uh, A WGC winner in the past. Uh, he's a two-time PGA Tour winner. He lives in Florida, so he's used to the Bermuda grass. And this clearly isn't a putting contest. No, no, no. So I, lo- I like him on soft golf courses as well. And actually, if you think of Russell Knox, I was thinking about this this morning over a Danish. He's played well on a number of courses that Rory McIlroy's played on. Now, I can remember, you know when Rory ran the Irish Open a few years ago? Yeah. It was, he basically stole it at the end from Russell Knox, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is a... For, for players that can play in two totally different ways, Knox has a link with um, McElroy in just some of the courses where he pops up on. Um, I mean, he's, he's had a top ten around Torrey Pines of all places, Russell Knox. Yeah, and he's, he bangs it 280 off the yeah, tee. Yeah, he's not, not long, is he? So I couldn't resist Knox, who I think is playing some very nice stuff at the moment. He was, I think he was in the top 10 at Pebble Beach a few weeks ago, and a lot of people were on him, both for DraftKings purposes and also for betting. But you think about Pebble Beach, and you think about the fact that it almost, well, it does every year, it turns into a putting contest. That is not Knox's bag. But here, high GIR, high accuracy... Um, I think Knox is a decent shout this week. Just to just to run you through his numbers. Sixth for proximity to foot to hole from the fairway. He's 11th for sand saves. Brilliant. Um, he's also 38th for proximity from 200 yards and out. They're, those are green lights for me, so I'm definitely on Russell Knox. Um, another one I thought was a, a strange price, but a nice price was Kira Deck Afibanrat, who I had to snap up at sixty-six to one last night. Yeah, played well last um, week again. Didn't he? Well, he played brilliantly last week. This is what I can't quite get my head round. Yes, yes, yes. He was here last year. Um, he came sixty-eighth. Get that. But actually, that's an advantage because most tracks he plays in the United States, he's never yep. been to in his life. Yeah. And the thing with Afibanrat last year was he just won in Perth, and I think he was coming off something you know like five or six tournaments straight. Flying around the world, doing what he does. Yeah. Uh, this year, think about it, he's been relatively quiet. He's played a lot more US golf, and he's coming straight from Mexico, where he finished in the top five. And the number that really got me for last week was he was second for greens in regulation. Yeah, when he plays well, that is his. Um, well, he's, he's a great putter as well. But when you see him hitting those high, kind of eighty percent greens in regulation stats, then uh, 
there's a, there's a win. How would me. you, as as a European Tour guy who follows every single tournament on the European Tour, how would you describe the way that Afi Barnrat plays? Because you've seen far more of him than I have. Yeah, he's um, he's an old school golfer. He's um, he he shapes the ball. He's um, he's an outstanding putter. Um, mm. Not particularly accurate, but he can can and does hit a lot of greens. He he'd be suited. Um, to um, to a linksy style track, I wouldn't be surprised to see him perform really well at an Open Championship, kind of under the radar, yeah. at some point in the future. Hasn't he won that match play thing by the coast? Yeah, he did. Scotland? Yeah, the, the Paul Laurie match play, which was up on the uh, on the Scottish coast. Yeah, and that was a that was a linksy uh, linksy track as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's um, he's a very kind of classical golfer. He does shape the ball. He, he moves it both ways. Um, and um, when he's playing well, it is a lot of greens in regulation. He is an outstanding putter from twenty feet and in when he's playing well. So um, so yeah, I, I I can't fault that at all really because you know when he when his game is on, he he can compete and contend pretty much anywhere. I think. Listen to well. Listen to this. That, this follows on perfectly from what you just said. Sixth at Bayil in 2015. Sixth at Bayil in 2016. Bearing in mind he was a non-member, mm. which is you know a relatively low status on the European Tour back then. He then went to Augusta, qualified for that. Fifteenth at Augusta in 2016. And that was the year Willett won at five under. Yeah. So that was a nasty golf course for that renewal. Fifteenth he was there. Uh, and then last year, thirteenth at Muirfield Village in the Memorial, which was a loaded tournament. And then 15th last year at the US Open. So two his two best major championship finishes were at Augusta National when it played as tough as you like. And then he finished 15th last year at Shinnecock Hills, which again was a brutal, uh, brutal tournament yeah. last year. He was actually 7th going into Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and his two wins on the European Tour, 13 and 12 under respectively. And I don't think that target is going to be a million miles away from where we are. No, it sounds, it sounds about right, doesn't it, for this week, given the conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just, this genuinely, as a guy that clearly follows golf week in, week out, this genuinely surprised me about Kiradek. How he has settled down into a, a high-quality golfer of late is pretty mad in my mind. Right, listen to this. This is going from the 2018 Mexico Championship. Fifth in that. at the w- These are all WGC levels. Yep. So WGC, Mexico, fifth. He then uh, finished fifth in the world match play. So he made the quarterfinals. Only beaten by Bubba Watson, who went on to win it. He then went to the marquee tournament on the European Tour, the BMW PJ Championship at Wentworth, which again, I think, played very tough. Fifth. Mm. Uh, HSBC Champions at the end of last year. That was the one that Chauvelet won. He was fourth, Afi Barnra, and of course third in Mexico. You just think, well, how can oh, no, he also top ten at the DP World Tour Championship yeah. to end the European Tour? How can he be sixty six to one? Yeah, just well, I'll take it. Yeah, no, it's, it's worth taking. He's off, far it. better than a sixty six to one chance. You know, he's level there with Scott Piercy and Jason Kokrag. Yeah, nah, I don't think so. So I had to take that. Um, so that works out quite nicely, I think. Uh, and then the other two at shorter prices, but not too short, really, in terms of Daniel Berger. 40-1. to 1. We know that he loves the golf course. 
It's hard to ignore someone that shot six under in their last tournament in the final yeah, round. Yeah, flying finish from Puerto Rico. Flying finish from Berger. Um, he was clearly in the playoff as a rookie with Paddy Harrington back in 2015. Two wins on the PGA Tour, both at TPC South win, which is a absolutely rock-hard Bermuda grassed par 70 setup. Fairly similar to this in terms of its difficulty. So Berger was very, very hard to ignore for me. Uh, I see some people whinging about his price, but I thought 40 to 1 was a decent enough price. I expected a little bit short for Daniel Berger. Berger was seventh in the US Open last year. And, of course, he went off in the final group with one Tony Finau. And the other one I've taken at the very top end, at the elite end, Justin Thomas could walk it, of course. Uh, it's exactly what you said in your um, Oman Open preview about Joost Lauten. Um, he could win it. Mm. Justin Thomas is the clear favourite in this. All the stats are perfect. We were on him last year at 12-1. to 1. Um, I just Five to one's too short for me. Um, I struggle backing players at five to one in a golf tournament, yeah. uh, especially a full field one. Uh, Ricky Fowler at elevens to twelve. I don't know what Ricky's motivation is. He's already won this season. Uh, Brooks Kepka just seems to be missing something. Clearly, the two-time U.S. Open champion. He's perfect, really, in terms of his mould. His stats from last year would have been perfect for this, but this year he just seems to be struggling. Oh, maybe he's just pacing himself for the majors. I mean. He's very good at that, isn't he, Mr. Kepka? Mm -hmm. So I've actually, I had the, the decision then, did I go for a Garcia, a Scott, a Woodland or a Webb Simpson? Very tempted as well in Cameron Smith, who we know has finished fourth at Chambers Bay in the US Open. The trouble with Smith is I just don't think he's got the accuracy with his approach shots to hit enough greens to win this this week. But Smith's a decent shout. Simpson was close for me, but I'm not seeing the proximity, which is strange for Webb Simpson. You think of him as a real um, long iron or and scrambler sort that's really excellent in terms of its proximity to hole numbers. That isn't happening so far this season, so that put me off Webb. I haven't. I don't think Gary Woodland's got the short game in terms of the the um, the sand saves and whatever to win this. But you can see Woodland being up there as well. Yeah, I know Barry's on Woodland. He messaged me this morning to say that was his uh, that is one pick this week. Um, although Barry does like a bit of Gary, so uh, he does like Gary. But yeah. Gary also likes a soft golf course, so I can see. And he's finished second here in the past. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. Adam Scott let me badly down, didn't he? He let us all down, didn't mm. he? Badly at. Um, the Genesis, uh, 16 to 1. So I, in the end, I, I took Garcia, who um, I thought played nicely last week in Mexico, a top 10. Um, he fell apart on the Sunday. I think he only hit 10 greens out of 18. But up until that point, he was in the top 10 for greens in reg. His strokes gain numbers were superb. I genuinely think with Sergio, if he goes in a tournament where Tiger Woods is anywhere in the vicinity, he falls apart. Mm. And I looked at the tee times, both round three and round four in Mexico last week, and Garcia uh, Woods was two groups ahead. And I just think it fries Sergio's mind. He just he just cannot cope with Tiger Woods anywhere in his vicinity. Well, it's also the circus um, that associates, you know, yeah, people yeah, people yeah. traipsing up and down the fairway. And uh, when he when he was playing well in round one and round two, he was on the totally different side of the golf course. Yeah. But Tiger isn't here this week, and Sergio is an absolute f sunshine state expert, Sergio. He 
flies on Bermuda grass golf courses in mm. Florida. Yeah. So I thought 16 to 1's quite fair him. And his, his US Open record is clearly second to none. And he's playing sneaky golf, isn't he, Sergio? Very, very consistent. Number of top tens he had on the European Tour early this season, end of last season, was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone's there with a bit of desire over and above, well, around the kind of Thomas desire levels in terms of needing a win, I would put Garcia up there with the likes of Scott. And I just, his numbers work out a lot better for me in terms of what I'm looking for. So, yeah, Sergio Garcia was my top selection this week, two points at 16 to 1. He can play well on a soft golf course. The thing that really grasped me about last week's numbers was he putted very well. And Sergio putting well is a real danger. Yeah, if he can control his emotion, clearly he's got something to to prove, and you know he needs to uh, the, the whole kind of. Um, Did you but, see any outbursts from him last week? No, or? no, no. I think he's. I think he's um, calm, calm. I think he's got to calm down from that um, you know bun- yeah. bunker wrecking uh, display in Saudi. Um, but equally. I guess then he's got something to prove as well, hasn't he? And you know, something to deflect from that as being the most recent piece of Sergio Garcia news. Um, you know, a, a, a win would deflect from that nicely. But um, yeah, we shall see. Right, the Oman Open. Yes. After last year, the first event here, you've actually got something to get your teeth stuck into, haven't you? Yeah, a little bit. They, they've played some uh, events here on the Challenge Tour um, in the past, although that doesn't have a great bearing for this field in terms of those who've, uh, who've played it. Um, but yeah, we're back in the Middle East for another two-week stretch. So we had some Middle East action, then um, a bit of Australia action before the WGC. Now back to the Middle East, we've got this and the uh, Qatar Masters next week. Um, so this one takes us to the capital of Oman, which is Muscat, which sits uh, it's about 250 miles south of Dubai. If you uh, look at it on a map to put it into into context, um, low lowish quality field, not great, but not the worst. There are a few few names at the top of the uh, top of the worst. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Joost Lauten is the is a worthy favourite, I think. He clearly shot through the field last week to finish in the top ten at the uh, Mexico. Sorry, when I'm seeing Joost Lauten at nine to one, I'm switching <laughs> yeah. the laptop off. <laughs> I mean, he did. Shocking. He did open at twelves. Yeah, he's been nibbled into elevens. I expect. Wow. He, I expect he'll go ten to one, given the the way that he's trending in terms of his price. But um, yeah. You know, he's, he's the defending champion. He won last year, third in Abu Dhabi, sixth in Saudi, uh, tenth in Mexico. And he finished with a 64 as well, which was a good strong round in that company. Clearly, he was nowhere near actually contending, so the pressure was off. But even so, that's not an easy track to shoot a 64 in. Um, and if you look at how he's performed when he's defended in the past, he has got a couple of uh, top five finishes. He finished third when defending the Leoness in 2014. Uh, fifth when defending the KLM in 2014 as well so he's mm. clearly it, it doesn't impact him that much but as you just said price wise can you take him at, at a 9 10 you know if you can get a little bit of 11 to 1 uh, not for me I don't think uh, Thomas Peters is just behind him in the betting um, and he's been quite consistent 8 top 30 finishes on the trot you know wedged in between that you've got his World Cup of Golf win but in terms of regular um, straight play events, then eight top thirty finishes, but he's he's just been that bit inconsistent. Don't you think Peters is he's trapped, isn't he? He can't play PGA Tour. 
who's outside the world top 50. Mm. He thinks he's too good for the European tour, and he's I think he's mentally trapped. Well, he's another one. He's, and he's, cu- he's cutting this frustrated figure, just lashing out at yeah, everything. He's, he's another one who's clearly got a bit of anger issues, hasn't he? And, uh, mm. you know, there have been some really good signs with him. You know, he led, led Saudi after day one, he led the Super Six after the second day. You know, both of those events, you, you say, well, you know, he's the quality player in this field, he should go and win mm. this. Too right. Um, but he, in, no, in those eight top 30 finishes, he hasn't finished in the top 10, not once, every time. No, no, no. Regardless of how he's performed during the events and the decent low rounds that he's put in, he's finished outside the top 10 every single time. So if you're backing Thomas Peters, you'll be ripping your hair out. And again, yep. at kind of 12 to 1 price point. He's as short as nines. <laughs> yeah. Again, wow. I, I just, you know, I can't go close to that. William Hill packing out the valley there, mate, at nine to one on Thomas Peters. <laughs> Taking no chances, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got the likes of Ross Fisher, Alex Levy, low twenties, Jordan Smith, who's been really popular early part of this market this week, Thomas Detry, Justin Harden, who's been playing some really good golf, thirty threes or thereabouts. So there's there's a few decent names. Um but yeah, nothing nothing really outstanding in terms of the, the field this week. Last year, as you said, was the first year that we used the um, track for the Oman Open, but it used to be used on the Challenge Tour from 2013. So you got the NBO Golf Classic in 2013 and 14, and then they used it for the Grand Final in 2015, 16, and 17. So there's a little bit of course form there. And to be fair, a few of the lower-ranked players in this field have played in some of those events. So there was a little bit of course form to grab onto. Uh, the track itself, Al Mooj Golf Club, is a Greg Norman design. It's coastal. Clearly, with its geography, it is based in the desert, but they've designed it as a pseudo-lynx type of track. So you'd almost describe it as a, a you know, a desert lynx, I guess, would be the, the closest description. It certainly does contain some lynxy features, um, but then it also contains some desert-type features as well. And clearly, the... Um, the geography and the, the climate out there is, is desert-like, so um, a bit of a mix, really. Uh, 7,365-yard par 72, and it's laid to Paspalum Sea Dwarf throughout, so fairways, rough, and greens are all on Paspalum. Um, and we saw Paspalum in Saudi just before the uh, WGC. That was the last time we saw a course that was fully laid fully laid to, to Paspalum grass. Slightly different strain, but... Uh, Similar nonetheless. So it's built on the beach, wide, exposed fairways, bunkers, waste areas, as you'd expect. It's similar, you know, the, the kind of regular Lynx-style track that you might expect, the coastal-type track that's wide and exposed. Uh, four par fives, ranging between 543 and 598 yards, so reasonably lengthy. And actually, there's a short par four that the second hole that plays this third easiest hole on the course. So that one of the par fours plays easier than a couple of the, uh, the par fives. And the closing stretch is where it gets particularly difficult here. So even players who can uh, hold on over the final four holes tend to be the ones who compile the best score, or if they can keep hold of the score that they've achieved up to that point in the day. I guess with these kind of tracks, and as always with a coastal layout this the strength of the wind which dictates the difficulty and if you look at the winning scores from the old events that were played here uh 2013 rupee kako won at 14 under for 2014 max orin at seven under so there's already a seven shot swing there 
2015, Ricardo Bouvea, 13 under. Bernd Rietammer won at 21 under in 2016. So, you know, there's a massive swing there between minus seven. He sounds like one of those wheat beers I like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, yeah, 2017, Clemens Sorday. I could have bought one of those in Amsterdam the other week. <laughs> what, a retailer? <laughs> 21 of them, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sorday won at 15 under, then Loughton won by a couple of shots at 16 under last year. So, in regular conditions, I think you're looking at around about the mid teens. In really soft and um, windless conditions, you're going to get to 20 under. In windy conditions, you're going to get to seven under or thereabouts. So there's a, there's a real mix. And if you look at this week, actually, it's going to be reasonably challenging. It's going to be nice for Thursday and Friday, low 80s Fahrenheit, 10 mile an hour winds or thereabouts. And then there's a front coming in on Saturday. The temperature's going to drop by 10 degrees. And you're likely to see 20 to 25 mile an hour winds sustained during Saturday. And I think that's actually going to make this course play particularly tricky on Saturday. Sunday down to around about 15 miles an hour so it, w- it won't be quite as tricky but it will be a challenge so I think you're going to find the scores are made over the first two days and then it's going to hang on to your hats for the remainder of the tournament and again you've only got last year really to go on in terms of statistics but if you look at how the players got got round the course the fairways are wide and a lot of players even the most wayward are still hitting 50-60% of fairways so it turns it into a second shot course. Um, and actually, greens and regulation stats were really consistent across the field. A lot of players, kind of between 70 and 80%, there wasn't a massive amount of variation. So then it all came down to who performed best on and around the greens. And Loughton won um, with a field leading 1.64. 1.64 yeah, putts per reg- greens and regulation. We've talked about Loughton. You know, you know, I've backed Loughton yeah. you know, more times than I care to remember. If he can putt around 1.7, you're absolutely amazed. But 1.6 foot, I mean, yeah. that was, that's a miracle. Well, you look at that and you say, you know, Joseph Loughton's just putted at 1.64. He's won the tournament. Of course he's won the tournament because as long as his uh, long game is up to the same kind of standard that you'd expect then he's going to win a golf tournament when he putts at that kind of level. Chris Wood was yeah. just behind him at 1.67. They finished first and second on the leaderboard. They finished first and second for putting on the week. Um, so that kind of puts it into context. I think you need to be um, as good or marginally better than everyone else from tee to green, and you've got to make your putts and uh, minimise birdies. Yeah. Uh, minimise birdies. Doesn't shout Stephen Gallagher or Bernd Wiesberger to me. You need you need someone that can putt. Yeah, I think you know greens regulation is fine, and I think you know the more chances you give yourself a birdie, the better. But you've you've got to be able to make the birdies on the week. Saying that, okay. Loughton was the only player to break twenty birdies, and that's pretty unusual, really. You know, you have to look at any regular event, and there are a number of players who get twenty, twenty-two, twenty-four birdies. Um, you know, apart from the very tiny, you know, they'll they'll struggle at the Honda, I'm sure, but um, you know, a regular European tour event. Um, that's fairly um, fairly unusual. Um, so it's not a birdie fest by any stretch, and I certainly think with the wind the way it is over the weekend, it will be. Mm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if a kind of a 12, 14 under gets it gets the job done okay. this week. Good honest test then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at all the six winners who have won here, they each of them had a top twenty finish in in one of their last two starts, so there was a semblance of form there. And I thought it was interesting, actually, if you boiled down the field last year, 
So if you rank the entire field in terms of their um, world ranking at the start of the event, um, then six of the eventual top 12, um, sorry, six of the um, uh, top 12 players came within the top eight of the actual final leaderboard. So if you went from top to bottom, the top eight of the leaderboard, six of those were within the top 12 ranked players within the field. So it's essentially the, the cream rose to the top uh, this time last year. Um, four of them had top five finishes on Pasplum to their name. Um, you know, and a few of them had decent coastal records as well. Wood's got decent, you know, we know about Chris Wood from his um, exploits at the Open Championship. Ghost Lauten's won the KLM. Um, Alex Levy's got some decent coastal records as well, and they all finished in the top eight last year. Um, so I think, you know, there's a few things you can grab onto here this week. Uh, I, the way I started with this, um, when I first started looking at this back end of last week, um, there wasn't this wind coming in at the weekend. It looked like it was going to kind of be pretty consistent, 10 mile an hour um, through the four days. And it's picked up. The forecast has changed since I first started looking. My knee-jerk reaction back then was Alex Levy, and I've stuck with that. Because originally, you know, the way I, the way I look at Levy, he's um, historically been this kind of flat-track bully who's when the conditions are soft and when the conditions are scorable, he can go out and attack a course and uh, he absolutely thrives on that. He's won on Paspalum Greens. You know, there's a lot to like. Um, and then the wind came in and I kind of made me sit back and think, well, actually, is, is this the right way to go? But I think there's actually a bit of maturity spreading into uh, Levy's game. And I think he's recognised himself. He can't just be this one-dimensional player who can only win on soft, attackable golf courses. And, his win in Morocco last year at the uh, Trophée Ascendeur was a real breakthrough for him, I think. It was tough conditions. He won at eight under par, which is nothing like the way that he normally plays. He normally wins at kind of 17, 19 under. That's exactly where his, uh, his, kind of, his wheelhouse is. But um, eight under par was a real step in the, in the right direction. Um, and I think it's, you know, he's developing that into his game. And... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him this week get into a really strong position after the first two rounds and then employ that kind of extra level of maturity and actually see the see the job through over the weekend in tougher conditions. Uh, going back to some recent form, he was second for putting at the Saudi International, which we've talked about as being on the Paspalum Greens. He's also got a win on Paspalum back at the China Open 2014, I want to say, some of that, that kind of bracket. Um, he was second for greens in regulation here last year, 81.9%. So even though a lot of these players were very, very similar in terms of the stats, he still st stood out as handling the uh, the approach game better than almost everyone else here. Um, and, you know, when he's hitting greens, when he's putting well, he's a very, very good good player. And he came here as favourite last year. He'd been playing some decent golf and um, he, he was, he was favourite to win the tournament, which is a, not a situation that he's used to. All yeah. very comfortable with, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and you know he still mm. still did well. He, he, he finished in, in you know mm. went inside the top ten, and uh, I don't think you can knock that really. Um, backing up Le uh, Alex Levy, Alex Levy is Paul Dunn. Now sounding a bit like a crap record, really, because I've backed Dunn a number of times over the last uh, last few weeks. Um, well, he's delivering. Yeah, he, he came close at the Super to Six. Deliver again. Yeah, mm. no, he, he came close at the Super Six. Yeah, I, I, you know, we talked about it last week. He can't knock it really because he delivered a top uh, a fifty to one each way 
return for the uh, top 54 market and it could easily have uh, could have could easily have won that uh, market for us um, started to hit greens and fairways though that's the key isn't it yeah it is it is with paul mm. you know we know about his um, you know talking about linksy style we know about his open championship uh, pedigree he led the open in 2015 as an amateur after 54 holes before eventually uh, Getting getting that nosebleed right at the end, but you know showed a bit of uh, showed a bit of promise there. Won the British Masters at Close House um, in 2017. I've told you a number of times. I still can't believe I didn't back him that week because I've uh, I've, I've backed him a few times that season and uh, finally given up uh, given up hope with him. And then he goes and goes and produces a fantastic 61 in the final round to take the title from Rory McIlroy, which is a great win for him. Seventh at the Dunhill Links that year, second to John Rahm at the Spanish Open, which was played again on a Linksy style track last yeah, year. It's open, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mound, there's a lot of mounds around that golf course. Yeah, there? yeah, there is. Yeah, I mean, have a Links feel. For me, I remember. Yeah, it, for me, he's um, Dunn's at his best when you've got this kind of a, a track where it encourages a recovery shot when you play. Um, you know, you play a poor drive, and uh, you know you, you need to find that recovery um, shot that's going to get you onto the green. And this is going to, this is the kind of track that's going to encourage that uh, completely. But as you just said, actually, his game is picking up in terms of his accuracy. He was fifteenth for driving accuracy at the Vic Open. Um, he was thirteenth for greens and regulation at the Super Six after fifty-four holes. Um, in terms of putting, go back to Saudi. He was fourth for putts per round there on the Passbloom Greens. Um, and actually, if you watch some of the golf at the Super Six, the way that his short irons and um, his um, his approach play, his wedge play was was really on song on a lot of his approach shots. He looked really, really good, really, really confident. And uh, he spent last week in Dubai, um, just spending some time with some family and uh, acclimatising himself, ready for this week. So none of this rushing about, none of this rushing home. He's just uh, he's just taking it easy in, in Dubai, and he's. Uh, Got a meander down to Oman for this week's event, and while he's playing well, and he is the kind of player who can hold his form when he's playing well, um, while he's playing well, I think he's well worth sticking with, uh, personally. So Paul Dunn, um, forty to one is available and done right now, um, and a couple of longer prizes to finish. Um, Callum Shinkwin, who's um, who's been playing some tidy golf, is he's got. He's not got much of a status, Shinquin, because um, he finished outside the 110 last year. So he's been desperately trying to get into some of these events. He, he got through a qualifier to play in Dubai um, at a Desert Classic and um, shot 66-68 to be fifth at halfway. So he nearly repaid that uh, persistence. Um, he kind of drifted away after that, but so clearly there's a bit of game there. Got a decent start at the Vic Open, 64 in round one, 66 in round three. He was second going into Sunday. And again, couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite convert, but some some positive signs. He's a fast start, isn't he, Shinkwin? He might be worth a first round leader pump. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, we shall see the um, see the tee times later on today, mm. and uh, that could be another good shout for Shinkwin. Yeah, it's the kind of market where you can pick up some decent uh, decent returns with him. I do agree on that. Seventy five um, to one. Yeah, third year in twenty fifteen at the NBO Grand Final, where he led into the final day. Opened with a 67 and was sitting in fourth here last year. So there's, there's lots to uh, lots to like. Um, and again, if you look at his history, uh, we'll all remember him mainly for losing that um, guilt-edged opportunity at the Scottish Open in 2017, where he bogeyed the last hole and let Rafa Cabrera Bello into the playoff and then 
uh, Cabrera Bello won that um, at the in the extra holes, which uh, was a real body blow for him. But um, mm. you know, a bit further down the line, hopefully he's got his uh, head all round that. And there's a bit more Scottish Open, Open to France form as well, which encourages too. Um, and my final pick was Matthew Matthew Pavon. Uh, the Frenchman Matthew Pavel. Well, yeah, we, I kept talking about Shinnecock Hills, and he he was uh, he actually got right into the mix did, of Shinnecock yeah. Hills yeah. last year. Didn't he on Matthew. He was uh, yeah, it was it was a real surprise package that week, wasn't he? Um, you know, he's, he's not got a win on the tour yet. He's, he's won a couple of times in the Alps Tour, but he hasn't broken through in the European Tour. But he talks about Shinnecock Hills. He was third at the Scottish Open in 2017 at Don Donald Links, um, second at the Mauritius Open back end of last year in December. Uh, sixth at Nordea Masters, which is played along um, along that fjord in um, in uh, Sweden. Uh, tenth at the Irish Open in 2018 at Ballylithin. So there's a lot of kind of tangible form there, I think, for these kind of coastal style tracks. Uh, he's played here a couple of times. He was third in the NBO Grand Final one year. 31st here last year. But he led at the halfway point after an opening 68 and 65. So... It clearly got a liking for the track, and I remember from some of the interviews that he made at the time, he was talking about feeling comfortable and confident on the track because of how well he played in that NBO Grand Final, and clearly that washed through to his first couple of um, first couple of rounds here last year. Not much since that second in Mauritius, um, but he did produce a twenty fourth finish in twenty fourth place finish in Dubai, where he's fifth at the halfway point. Missed the cut in Saudi, but uh, shot 77 first round to take himself out of his 67 in the second to give himself a little bit of confidence heading into this week. And given it's a track that he likes, um, the early 100 to 1, I think he's been nibbled into 90s now um, Tuesday morning. Um, I thought that was, again, a price worth taking on with Pavon. Uh, not to be confused with Pavan, who's also been heavily backed this week, so... I've probably gone with the wrong one, but we shall see. But yeah, that's where I am. So he's a GIR merchant, isn't he? Pavan. Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I think you need. I think you need a little bit more putting prowess about you this week mm. to get over the line. But um, but then I, you know, I'd have said the same thing with um, with Loughton last year, um, and I'd have, I'd have probably disregarded Loughton on the basis that I don't think he can get to, you know, a low enough putting total, and he produced it last year. So we shall see. I think you need to like a bit of pass film. I think you need to like a bit of coastal uh, course uh, courses. I think a little bit of links form is a no bad uh, thing whatsoever. Uh, throw it all in the mix and see where it comes to. Anything that caught your eye, Steve? I just thought David Lipsky for a bloke that finished mm. top 10 in the World Championship at 40 to 1. Yeah. You could say, oh, yeah, he won't travel well. But that's, Lipsky's yeah. the sort that's... He's travelled the world for the last seven, eight years. He he goes all over the place. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah, I, I like Lipsky. The other thing with Lipsky is he was in the top eight for greens in regulation last week. Yeah, I, Lipsky plays well on the Bermuda greens, and there's a lot of correlation between Bermuda and. Well, yeah, and I can see. He's got, is he top three or f- top three or four at the Dubai Desert Classic a couple yeah. of years ago? Yeah, I'm just having a flick through. Yeah, there's something in there. Yeah, I, if, if I if I were to pigeonhole Lipsky, it'd be more on a. Um, more on a classical style track, probably tree lined um, with yeah. with Bermuda greens, and I think yeah, you know that that, that performance in uh, Mexico in, in far loftier company is very, you know, it's very notable. You you, you can't disregard that. He's got, he has got the travel back, um, 
but um, as you say, you know, compared to many of the players in this field, that that form sticks out like a beacon. So I don't think I'd put anyone. Yeah, off I thought so. No, he's an interesting thought, sort Lipsky. So yeah, that's just the one that jumped out at me. But I've got to say, your top two, especially Le- I think Alexander Levy, he's a class operator yeah. at European Tour level. And uh, if he can come here being favourite and finish top five last year, and he's a little bit under the radar this year, I, I think that's a cracking shout. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we all have a mutual love of Paul Dunn. So, yeah, I'm with you all on those two for sure. It's, uh, cool. Lovely. Right. A packed old show. Probably a little bit too long, but I was win- we were wittering at the start. But... Um, Paul, I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Best of luck. And uh, re- uh, listeners, don't forget to uh, pop along and get your entries in for the Majors Comp. And if you fancy joining our GBS League on DraftKings, then um, yeah. follow the links through and um, you can get into this week's tournaments. Absolutely. Right. Thank you to the listeners. Again, leave us a review. We'll read them out next week and get involved. Right. Thanks a lot. See you again next week. Bye-bye.